Hey, St. Paul, welcome to episode two of our podcast on Richard Foster's The Celebration of Discipline. I'm joined with Tommy Bridges, and Tommy, I'm so glad that you are here with us today. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome, John. Here we are in episode two, and um, I thought maybe to bring us all on the same page when it comes to Richard Foster's book, he separates the book into three parts, those inward disciplines, those outward disciplines, and those corporate disciplines. Now, the inward disciplines are meditation, prayer, fasting, study, and the uh, outward disciplines are simplicity, solitude, submission, service, and then those uh, disciplines that we do as corporate bodies, those corporate disciplines are confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. And one of the things that Richard Foster brings to the table, at least to challenge us in one way or another, is this uh, idea that the disciplines, those spiritual disciplines, actually become a door to liberation, that our world is, as you mentioned last week, is cursed with superficiality, that this doctrine of instant satisfaction is a real spiritual problem. But God actually wants to transform us. As we think about God transforming us, we position ourselves in a way where we are listening, where we are seeking after God. As the psalmist says in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for you, my soul thirsts for you, the living God. So we jump into the first discipline. We come to meditation. Thank you, John. Uh, one of the things that I thought about after our last meeting was the idea of Foster focuses on the curse of our society as superficiality. And, you know, when you really think about that, we live in a microwave society, and we want instant satisfaction, which leads to Satan's majoring in noise, hurry, and crowds. And as Carl Jung stated, hurry is not of the devil, it is the devil. When we think about noise, hurry, and crowds, I think we can just go back to our daily routines. When we get up in the morning, we get our cup of coffee, and either we have our devotion, and we we think about that a little bit, then we get our cup of coffee, maybe drop by McDonald's or something like that and pick up something, and off to the office we go. And we really don't spend that time in the mornings or whenever is convenient with one to focus on your devotion, whatever it might be, and mine is the Bible and Oswald Chambers and and a couple of others, but to focus on what they are really saying and to integrate that in our daily lives. I was, I was reading, going back through uh, the first chapter, and it was interesting that uh, Tolstoy uh, made this comment. Everybody thinks of changing humanity and others, and nobody thinks of changing himself. Hmm. And when you really think about that, that is what I think Foster is alluding to in this idea of superficiality. Everything is outside of external, outside of ourselves. 
and and we don't take the time to really think about what is what God or or any of those uh, devotions are really speaking to us. And uh, again, hurry is not of the devil; it is the devil. Well, I have to agree with you about that superficiality and. I would tend to think that as Foster writes this earlier, he talks about that this becomes one of the philosophical problems with the disciplines as a whole, that we're so enamored or uh, we are so encapsulated or enveloped by everything that we can see, taste, touch, smell, that we have turned a deaf ear to the world beyond, to what God's kingdom looks like from God's perspective. And that seriously becomes that spiritual problem that needs to be dealt with which with which or from which meditation deals with correct and as most people know i am very involved with music at saint paul and one of my favorite hymns of all is in the garden and i think a lot of people that is their favorite hymn and when you really listen to the words of I come to the garden alone when the dew is still on the roses and you and you and you work through those verses and you and you really understand now that just imagine yourself in the morning in the garden or out on the patio watching the birds or listening to the morning as the morning awakens into our day. Uh, I have a very good friend uh, who's a member of the church, and we were talking about this over the weekend, and he said, you know, Tommy, I can go out on my my patio, and he's a big bird watcher. And he says, I just, that's my meditation. I watch those birds and drink my coffee, and it's just a wonderful experience to see God's creatures and how they act and and I think that is in itself a form of meditation I think we have to realize that uh, God doesn't have laryngitis he's still with (laughs) us you know and he speaks to us and he's alive and uh, you know if we can encapsulate that into our, our morning or evening or whenever you do your meditation or devotion and just remember that maybe just imagine that Jesus is sitting in the chair next to you just like you're sitting across from me right now, and we're having a conversation, mm. and that's, I'm listening. That, that's one of the examples that he, he uh, gives in his chapter about how you can actually relive the Scripture. Right. And he uses John 6 when Jesus feeds the multitude. He gives these different prompts, if you will. Try to see yourself in the story. Uh, see the grass, the hills, the faces on the people. Try to hear the story, the sound of the water, the noise of the children, the voice of Jesus. Try to feel this story, the texture of your clothing, the hardness of the ground, the coarseness of your hands, and then try to feel those emotions, the hesitancy at bringing your lunch if you're the boy, the astonishment at the miracle, the joy. And then in your imagination, watch Try to relive this, This actually see it from one of the perspectives of, of those in the story. Watch the crowd leave, and Jesus goes up to the hills, and, and then you're alone, and then kind of think about what happened. 
imagine Jesus returns, and after a bit, the Lord, he writes, turns to you and asks, what may I do for you during this time of reflection and meditation? And you tell him what's on your heart. And then when you're finished, you turn to the Lord and you ask, what may I do for you? And you listen with the heart, quietly and prayerfully. And I think that that is is something about how the scriptures actually become the vehicle for us to get into those moments of meditation. As you and I both, when we were in Israel a couple of years ago, you know, we were actually at the site of where he fed the 5,000, you know, on the Sea of Galilee. And you really look out on the hills and you can just visualize and think if you allow your mind to imagine 5,000 people and he fed them with just a very small amount of food Hmm. And, and that's powerful and I know one of the the most meaningful moments in that trip to Israel was when we were in Jerusalem and we went to the Garden of Gethsemane and then we went up to the uh, high priest, Caiaphas, mm-hmm. and we went through. Remember going yep, through that? I do. And I remember going out and standing in, in the actual footprints of Jesus leading up from the garden to the, to the high priest. And that was so meaningful to me because I just said, wow, I'm standing here and 2,000 years ago, he walked this same path. Hmm. That is really, really, and that's always been in my mind. I never will forget that moment of just silence, and nobody was around. I was just, I was just looking at those steps, and I said, "Wow, he was here two thousand years ago." And you know, I can visualize that. Yeah, I can visual. I can still see those uh, semi-buried. white cobblestones that were steps that were going down and those moments it becomes real for us it's not uh it's not something that is marginal or for somebody else that that this becomes real and i think that that's one of the things that richard foster wants people to do or realize in celebrating these disciplines is is encourage people that one of the purposes of meditation is to enable us to hear god more clearly it's that process of listening that process of sensing that process of heeding that light and life of christ and this goes counterintuitive tommy to what we're taught that that our worth in people's lives comes by what we do. And this right. is counterintuitive to that because our worth in God's eyes is not set upon this list of religious duties. It is listening to his voice. It's obeying his word and meditation opens up this way for us to be able to do that. Exactly. And I go back to that trip you know, and it was it was one of the most meaningful things. So when we get back, everybody said, well, what was the most important thing you did in Israel? Well, there was a ton. <laughs> so, uh, you, you know, you, you go through these uh, different sites and you realize that, gosh, and then when you read the Bible, you can put the puzzle together. You know, and it's, it, that was so meaningful to me 
now when I read the Bible, and especially in the Old Testament, like when we were on Mount Carmel, you know, oh, yeah. when Elisha was up there, you know, I can just visualize now. I was up there, mm. and I can just imagine all those old Baal priests there, you know. <laughs> and it was, uh, it's just, it's, it just brings everything into life. And one of the things that, uh, that I uh, read with uh, Thomas Merton, I love his book on No Man's an Island, is meditation has no point and no reality unless it is firmly rooted in life. Now just think about that. We meditate, we read, we have to actualize that in our everyday lives. And that's what makes the difference. That That's what separates our meditation, the Christian meditation, from Eastern That's mystic correct. meditation. That's right. That those are to separate us completely from the world. But meditation from the Christian perspective is to give us a break for a moment, to refocus ourselves, to reposition ourselves, to strengthen our souls and our hearts, to go back into the world, that we can live into uh, the kingdom of God as his hands and his feet. Exactly. And another thing that he mentions in this book is meditation is the one thing that can redirect our lives so that we can deal with human life, suffering, and the everyday things in life. Hmm. Because the Bible is a blueprint for living. So it's true then that meditation is deeply rooted in the relationships of our lives, whether our husband, wives, our children, the people we meet, one of the effects of meditation brings us closer to God, yes, but it actually has a direct effect upon the relationships that we have in the world. We don't separate ourselves in such a way that we become secluded, but we become more a part of the world as his hands and his feet and uh, living out those things that... Um, he impresses upon our heart. John, one of the interesting things that I have read in over the years is uh, a book called The Art of War, and it's by Stephen Pressfield. One of the things that he states in this is, is really, really intrigued me, and he states that most of us have two lives, the lives we live and the lives we are capable of living. And, and I think that's the life that we all truly desire, is that deep desire to, to go inside and find out what's really happening and figure out how to actualize that in our lives. That's why I go back to that old, that superficiality. Mm -hmm. We leave these two lives, the one we're living and the one we're capable of living. I'll take it a step farther. Thomas Edison, if we did the things we are capable of doing, we would literally astound ourselves. Now think about that. Isn't that awesome that we can take these secular things, these secular uh, books and quotes, and integrate it into a spirituality if we just let God do his work. But we got 
to be in a position, put ourselves in that position where he can do that or it won't happen. We can't do it on our own. Is meditation meant to put us in bondage, to put another chore or job uh, or duty upon our hearts and our lives? Or is there something more that is meant to happen through meditation? And I think that most folks think that this is just one other thing that we got to do to be accepted into God's kingdom or whatnot. But these actually liberate us. They actually free us. It's in those moments of, uh, of, of meditation that I'm reliving the scripture and I'm trying to be a, another party in that story where I am reminded that what was true then can be true or is true of, of myself. We don't live in uh, our world where Christianity is just something that happened back then, but it is the echo of Christianity is, is still resounding today in our lives, that it's for us today. And I think that's beautiful. I think that is something that um, is utterly life-changing. Absolutely. Uh, I was interested in, in Foster when he talks about how do you meditate. It's simple. Meditate is just meditating. Just get quiet. Get in a quiet place, and maybe it's in the morning. It, for me, it's in the mornings. Uh, but for others, it might be in the evening or at lunch or, or whatever. But get in that quiet place where you don't have your phone, you don't have anybody to interrupt you, and just relax. And just let, let yourself go and let God speak to you. And it might be a simple verse of Scripture. It might be, you know, from Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. Just think about that. And you might be facing some decision that you need to make or some problem in your life or whatever it is that's, uh, that's causing you any kind of stress or anxiety. And just sit and just let him speak to you. Sometimes we are too often uh, talking when maybe we should be listening. Maybe he wants to talk to us. He said, hold on just a second now. I hear you. But let me speak to you. And we can only do that when we are quiet and relaxed and let the world go by and just listen. You know, one of the interesting things in my business years ago, there was a study done on advisors, investment advisors, uh, integrating, talking with their clients. And out of a minute, the advisor talked 50 seconds and listened to the client 10 it should be reverse. <laughs> you know, you, it should be listening rather than talking. I think there's good marital advice there, too. Absolutely. <laughs> I think there is a temptation to fill the silence with something. And we go out of our way to find distractions, um, to play something on the radio, to, to be around people. We, we don't like to be alone. We don't like that time, but we need it. Spiritually, we need to hear God's uh, voice speak to us, as Romans 8 says. 
and remind us that that we are his and and he is is ours. Richard Foster also writes that there's so much importance to not only reliving the scripture, but memorizing the scripture. I love what he wrote here. Um, Through memorization, the biblical witness becomes rooted deeply. There's an Ephesians 3 connection. The biblical witness becomes rooted deeply in the inner mind and begins to mold and adjust our worldview almost without our realizing it. And as we submit ourselves to this small discipline, God is able to reach us through the word of Scripture at any given moment. Exactly. How many times have you been in a moment where your trust had waned in God and you hear that voice that inner reminder, that scripture being recited, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on unto your own understanding, but acknowledge me in all your ways, and I will make your path straight. May I give you an example of that in my personal life? Years ago, uh, we were doing a Christmas musical, and it was kind of out of the norm. The music was not the norm that we, it wasn't the Messiah, it wasn't some of the favorite tunes. It was a, and I had to sing this solo. And I could not, my heart could not get into that solo. I mean, it was, it was a hard chore because there was so many, it was a CD type situation. And, uh, and it came time, there's three performances. <laughs> on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> and you talking about an anxiety level going up, you know. And I had rehearsed this thing. We had rehearsed it forever and ever and ever. And in rehearsals, it was perfect, you know, and the lights were on and everything like that. I, I just sat in my car before I went in and I said, okay, <laughs> you got me into this. Get me out of it. <laughs> And, you know, I sat there and I said, okay, what's the worst thing can happen? I can mess this thing up and the sun will come up tomorrow, you know. But it turned out great. But I just never will forget that moment. I just turned it over. I said, look, you got me here. You gave me this. Now, see me through it. And he did. Uh, But it uh, it was one of those moments when, you know, you just said, I give up. There's Thomas Merton's words coming back. Yeah. It's deeply rooted in life. That's right. Deeply rooted in life. Yeah. I'd like to leave us with Andrew Murray, who wrote a book called The Inner Chamber and the Inner Life. And he talks about uh, how to do meditation. And and one of the things that, the, and, it, and it builds on what Thomas or R- Richard Foster talks about as Reliving scripture, memorizing scripture, and through reliving, you're asking, God, you hear, God, what can I do for you? And you're turning to God and saying, what can I do for you? It's this very open conversation and memorizing scripture that uh, God can reach us. And then, and, and Andrew Murray does is kind of encapsulate this into three quick uh, steps. First, he says, present yourself before God. His word is meant to bring us into this presence in this fellowship. Just present yourself. Just get yourself to a place where you are willing to be vulnerable before God. 
then, as you had mentioned, this quiet restfulness, this quiet. So be willing to present this quiet restfulness and then see this as not in of itself something to be self-contained. But meditation brings us to a place where we are prayerful about what we are hearing to ask and receive what it is, uh, what, uh, what we have seen, what we have heard God speak to us. Now, understanding in the mind is, is, a seek, is a seeking of truth, but meditation is taking that truth and making it a part of our heart assimilating it to our lives so that it becomes our own. Correct. Right. Tommy, thank you once again for joining us. Any final words? You know, I think one of the things that, that I, I get out of this, it, it benefits me tremendously, personally. You know, just going through this and studying it as we're preparing for these podcasts, it makes me better. You know, I'm getting a heck of a lot out of it. I really am. Me too. It's wonderful. I I can't tell you that. It's been a long time since I've uh, read Richard Foster's book, at least four or five years, and um, and certainly have been encouraged, been stretched, and questioning in my own heart uh, about uh, my own practice. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we hope that you have enjoyed this. Please stick around each week as we release other episodes. Um, And if you have not uh, picked up yourself a copy of Richard Foster's book, I can speak for Tommy. We highly encourage it. A celebration of discipline um, is is this invitation to go deeper into our relationship with God. God bless you, and thank you again for joining us.